right. Well, welcome. Good to see you. If I haven't met you yet, I'm Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're, we are glad that you've come to be a part of uh, this evening's worship. And uh, hopefully all that uh, takes place in this hour will be a part of uh, making the Christ of Christmas even more meaningful to you uh, in this season. Um, I know some of you will be involved in family gatherings and some will be involved with a number of friends and things like that. So uh, in the attempt to help you with Christmas trivia, I've got a few questions for you. So, for example, which president first decorated the White House with a Christmas tree? Do you know? Pierce, Franklin, Washington, Lincoln? See, see how much this is going to help you? Nobody knows this. But Pierce is the first one to decorate the White House with a Christmas tree. How about this one? Which Christmas movies played the most? The Christmas Story, Home Alone, Frosty the Snowman, or It's a Wonderful Life? Christmas Story? Wonderful Life? Wonderful Life. In fact, it'll probably be on tonight when you go home. So I, I can't believe how much it's on. All right, how about this one? Which ocean is Christmas Island in? Pacific, Atlantic, Indian, or Arctic? There you go, Christmas Island. Didn't know there was one. Yes. I, I'm, I'm waiting for my South African friends to, to help me out here, but in the, in the Indian Ocean. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. And then which continent is the turkey from when we're talking about the bird? Uh, South America? North America. Okay. And then how about this one? In which author's novel is it always winter but never Christmas? Uh, you better got that. We just talked about that yesterday. <laughs> yes, pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> and then what year was the first commercial Christmas card made? No, no guesses ventured? 1843. Okay. See how much this is going to help you? I can't wait to hear stories later about how you dazzled everybody with your, your information. What's the best-selling Christmas song ever? Yeah, everybody, I think, pretty much knows it's White Christmas. Somebody wanted to vote differently, but that's the way it is. Who dedicated or who decided that the date for Christmas would be December 25? John Paul, Julius, Constantine, Clement. Like, who cares? I know. <laughs> Julius, though. For that one person that wanted to know that, now you know. Okay. So when we talk about Christmas gatherings and get-togethers, uh, the hope is to have fun. Sometimes that's a little challenged, isn't it? And sometimes it's a little complicated. You know, how am I going to get enough time with this person? And, and uh, am I not get enough time with that person? And is this person going to be left out? Oh, did we remember about that thing? And... Uh, there's so many details, and I know I just raised anxiety for some of you that went, oh, I forgot that. <laughs> but when it's all said and done, it comes back to Christ. What is it that God has done? And over these weeks of Advent, I've been using words which are limited to talk about the gift that Christ is to us that it's extravagant. 
that it's very expensive, cost his life, that it's enduring, lasts forever, and that it's ensured. Nothing can ever happen to it. Nothing can ever destroy it. Nothing can ever remove it from you. It's a pretty awesome deal. But how is it that we can remember that? How is it that we cannot have that kind of crowded out by all of the other stuff that's fun, uh, but not central? Um, recently, I heard uh, one of the people that I read, Ian Crone, tell a story. And uh, he was in a Starbucks in Connecticut with a friend of his who is uh, a pretty well-known producer. He produces uh, the special events that happen at the Kennedy Center. He produced uh, one of the presidential inauguration events and some things in Hollywood and so on. And so they're sitting there in Starbucks and they're having a latte. And they're talking about things. And all of a sudden, Ian's friend goes, Stop. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? And Ian said, I am straining as much as I can strain. I'm hearing the milk gurgle over in the latte thing and, you know, all this kind of noise. And he's like, No, what are you talking about? I don't hear it. He said, That is Miles Davis playing on the intercom system. And Ian goes, okay. He goes, that's just not right. That's just not right. And by now, Crone is kind of confused. He's like, okay, I can tell this matters to you. You're going to have to fill me in. I don't get what's going on here. And he said, Miles Davis. He goes, keep coming. (laughs) He goes, guy's a genius. He's brilliant. You should never put the work of a genius at background music. It totally desensitizes you to all the nuance, to all the creative, to the genius of what he's done. And Ian said, oh, <laughs> thanks for enlightening me. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Ian's a writer, and so he contemplated. He, he thought about that later. For days he thought about that. And it dawned on him, because he's a believer, that there is so much Jesus out there. People talking about Jesus, arguing about Jesus, debating Jesus, on talk shows about Jesus, religious programming about Jesus, Jesus tattoos, Jesus t-shirts, Jesus bumper stickers, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He said, you know what? My friend had a point about that music. When you hear it in such a background kind of way, it desensitizes you. And he goes, I'm afraid my heart gets desensitized to Jesus. Because it's everywhere all the time. And how much more so at Christmas. And so, heart check. How sensitized are you to the reality of what God has done for you? And those of you that by faith have a relationship has done in you through Jesus. So I'm, I'm going to raise this question for us to ponder. Is Jesus becoming background music? For us to talk about nativity. For us to talk about the familiar Luke passage or Matthew passage and, and the birth narratives and things like that. Is all that just so much? 
Or is there something that still penetrates, stirs, pricks the heart, causes wonder and amazement? When you think about the eternal Creator, God, formed and fashioned all that there is, the genius of bringing it all to be, the, the power to sustain it and to hold it all in place. And then he says, you know what? I love humanity so much. And humanity is so broken and so incapable of connecting with me. I'm going to enter humanity. I love the way that Dallas Willard has paraphrased a favorite verse of many of us, John 3.16. Reflect on these words freshly. God's care for humanity was so great that He sent His unique Son among us so that those who count on Him might not lead a futile and failing existence, but have the undying life of God Himself. Wow, what a thing He has done for us. So here's what I want to do for the next four minutes. I want us to just kind of get dark and quiet, reflective. Think about that first night in Bethlehem. A young couple don't understand everything that's going on. A birth. What the Eternal One is doing in this finite, broken world. And then after we've had a moment to reflect about that, I'll uh, conclude our talk. Well, the announcement happened this way. In Luke chapter 2, the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. He says, I have good news for you. This is cause for celebration. And so it's all together right that today, tomorrow, across this week, and the previous days, that we would celebrate, that we would have meals, that we would get together with friends and loved ones. But let's make sure we celebrate the centerpiece of Christmas. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate the infinite God coming into the finite to bless us. So it's good news and it's worth celebrating. He says, a Savior is coming. A Savior implies that we need saving. A Savior implies that something is wrong, that something is in a perilous position. And we are all sick, broken, sinful, needing a Savior 
And the good news is, Jesus is that Savior. So this is a season for celebration. It's a season for salvation. And friend, if you haven't settled that issue for yourself, there's no greater Christmas experience for you than to turn by faith your heart to Christ and to lean into Him and to know Him in a personal way. Allow Him to forgive your sins and to reconcile you to God. The angels announced that a Savior is being born who is Christ the Lord. Christ means the Anointed One, the Messiah. The One who can bring back that which is wayward and reconcile the unholy to the holy, the fallen to the Creator. So, we're going to give you the opportunity in the minutes that remain in this service to celebrate, to move your heart toward Christ and to sense His moving toward you in a saving way, in a reconciling kind of way. To allow something to happen with your heart that uh, may not happen in any other experience that you have over these hours and days together. Join me in prayer. Father, I pray for my friends tonight that these next few moments are an extraordinary, grace-filled time for their heart to be held by Your hand. To feel Your embrace. To know Your touch. To hear the whisper of Your affection. To gain just a glimpse of hope of what You're up to with them and around them. And we pray that in Jesus' name. The name above all names. Amen.